So, it is uh, podcast number two for us. Um, firstly, welcome back. Yes, well, this is my first podcast. You uh, went rogue and did the first podcast while I was in the <laughs> air at 30,000 feet. <laughs> I was let loose on the machine, um, almost ruined the website, and there was a lot of uh, cussing, possibly. Yes, as, as always, I think. So, podcast number two, um, I think that amongst these times when the world has got a little bit weird, probably we could talk about something which has a lot of crossover between ocean sailing and um, trying to live in a city at the moment, which is provisioning. Yeah, so a couple of days ago, I put out a post on Instagram and Facebook saying, look guys, we are creating some new content for you over the next few weeks while we're all practicing social distancing. And uh, if you have any topics you want to listen to us talk about, then now is a time to put your hand up and let us know. And lots of people were talking about provisioning. Obviously, as you say, there is a huge overlap between our uh, history living on a boat and provisioning for long time, uh, long, long sailing distances offshore. And uh, the fact that lots of people are trying to uh, provision at the moment for being stuck inside possibly for a week or two. So... Can I just say that your social distancing has been taken to new levels of uh, insanity? You distance yourself 10,000 miles from me. It's meant to be two <laughs> metres. So, uh, yeah, well done on the 10,000 mile separation. Yeah, so look, agreed. Um, I was talking to someone on our WhatsApp group the other day and I was saying that, you know, number one, um, people are worried about what's going to happen. Number two, you don't know what's going to happen in 24 hours. Number three, you're worried about how much food you've got. Number four, you're worried about whether or not the food is going to last. Number five... Can I live on canned goods? Number six, I'm not getting enough sleep because I'm worried. Number seven, um, I don't really like pulses, but that's all we've got left in the fridge. Number eight, like how do we get ourselves into this situation? And those eight points actually relate to ocean sailing, nothing to do with uh, what's going on in the world. So all these things, there is a definitive crossover. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a couple of days ago when I was still in Australia, and we are recording this from um, sunny London actually today, um, but a few days ago in Australia, I was with my, my family, my parents, and uh, we went to the supermarket to try and not hoard, just to make that clear. We weren't doing any hoarding, but we were just buying a few bits and pieces to stock up the pantry and the freezer and the fridge. And I must say that my, um, my skills came into play there as, um, yeah, that, that kind of uh, transferable skill of learning to provision for offshore cruising definitely came in handy that day. So... That is the point of this podcast. We are going to share our tips and tricks for provisioning. And obviously this will uh, be hopefully useful whether you are planning an offshore sailing uh, passage, uh, crossing an ocean or something like that, or uh, indeed you're just um, hunkered down in your New York apartment or a country cottage or wherever it is that you're spending your um, the next few months as we all spend a little bit more time apart. So... All right, Therese. Well, um, let's kick this off. How do we sort this out? Let's start with veggies, because I think veggies we all need. And um, obviously, different veggies work in different ways. Some people don't like certain vegetables, but we learn a lot from our Atlantic crossing about vegetables. <laughs> so the most interesting topic you're going to hear on any podcast <laughs> this side of 2020, vegetables. Absolutely. Vegetables. Fascinating topic. Um, so vegetables. Let me start saying as you seem to be corpsing on me. All right, listen. So basically, as a rule of thumb, the more water the vegetable has, the quicker it's going to go off. And the more 
porous the skin is, the quicker the vegetable is going to go off, rot or wilt. So um, two examples. Um, firstly, things like aubergines, eggplants to some of us, and courgettes. There's a high moisture content and they are um, obviously thin skin. They're not particularly um, impervious. So they last about a week. Now we're talking about, in this case, vegetables that are refrigerated. Um, we on our Atlantic crossing weren't able to refrigerate our vegetables. So um, things like eggplant, things like um, a zucchini, um, things like, you know, things that are wet, essentially, yeah. they don't last very long. Absolutely. And uh, the things that do last a long time are your root vegetables, and they do not necessarily need to be refrigerated, although if you're wanting to lengthen the life of them and you have room in your fridge, then you can, of course. Um, I mean, potatoes normally wouldn't refrigerate, but things like beetroots and carrots and those kinds of things, a lot of people put those in the fridge. Um, so sweet potatoes, normal potatoes, um, squash, you can just pop in a cool, dark place and they should last very, very long time. See, butternut is one of our favourite. I mean, butternut squash. I, at first, yeah, I like it. I, you know, it's it's all fair and well saying, oh, isn't white asparagus, like, you know, doesn't it last forever? But if you don't like white asparagus, then, you know, there's no point in having three and a half thousand kilos of it, like, hold up in the, uh, in the attic. Yeah, needless to say, food that you actually like eating is probably your first priority at this point, particularly since for a lot of us, we're struggling in isolation and uh, yeah you need to look forward to, to your meals that's for sure uh, one thing sorry to interrupt you one thing you th- this has to you know we do need to point out is that as soon as uh, a squash or something is cut all yes. game all bets are off so that's right. if you buy a pumpkin and you've cut it then it's 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 you know it will start rotting immediately that's right if it's not refrigerated that's right but I mean our favorites butternut squash one because I like it um, and two because I think it, it lasts about a month yeah, if you don't cut into it, it lasts a very long time, yeah, as you said. Um, other things, obviously, onions and garlic, um, that lasts a long time. Kale lasts a very long time. Kale, I know kale gets uh, a bit of a bad rep because it's kind of considered to be quite a hipster vegetable. But um, A, very, very versatile and very good for you. And it lasts for ages in the Yeah, fridge. well, as long as you're not putting kale into like a matcha latte in some Melbourne cafe <laughs> while like walking around, a, you know, with your uh, brogues on, your plaid shirt. And, and your, your massage and your <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> and your penny farthing chained to the railings outside. No, no, look, kale lasts well and cabbages as well. So Cabbages, like, cabbages. Exactly. So things like that so and again i mean i've i've got fond memories of our first atlantic crossing and our second for that um and you know when we we're in the well the first time we obviously left from europe and provisioned in europe the second time we left from bermuda and provisioned in bermuda and at all times we were able to find enough vegetables to, to last away but you do have to kind of like work out what's going to rot first and you know at this time when you know we are at in the middle of march and um in the middle of london uh with ex- you know employing exactly the same the same methodology um there's not a lot on the supermarket shelves, so we're just taking what we can and eating it in the right order. So things like broccoli and you know and asparagus, they just don't last. That's right. So you, so, you, so you buy them and you pop them in the fridge and then you eat them first. Um, Do I recall us putting us wrapping carrots in tinfoil? That's right, but we didn't have room in our fridge to put the carrots, so we were using kind of every trick in the book to make them last longer, and we had them outside, and it, w- it was also quite warm as well we were sailing in tropical waters so yeah. yes we wrapped them in tin foil you can also wrap your lettuce in um like paper towel kitchen towel in and put it in the fridge if uh, you want it to last a bit longer so there's all these little tips and tricks to make things last a bit longer um another thing is uh we obviously have spoken about vegetables so far but fruit 
and I mean this is fairly intuitive the fruits that last longest are going to be your citrus fruits you know your oranges and then your apples and your pears and things like that and then your soft fruits will not last as long yep. um, if you are in a hemisphere where you're lucky enough to have soft fruits in season at the moment um, and berries and that those kind of things also don't last very long of course we're used to provisioning for a tiny little fridge and no freezer. If you have a big freezer, then you've got a huge advantage because you can just buy up loads of frozen uh, vegetables and frozen fruits and berries and things like that. They're actually quite healthy for you um, because they freeze them kind of very soon after harvesting, I believe. And uh, that's a really good option. I'm sorry, am I boring you? <laughs> you, got, you went quiet <laughs> sorry, for a minute. I just got myself some cocoa. Uh, no, no. Um, look, um, yeah, the other thing is, and this is purely from a saving perspective, if you're wrapping your carrots in tin foil, then remove the tin foil before you get into customs and they uh, to get more with a metal detector because it uh, has to, you have some questions to answer. So um, fruit and vegetables, are we happy with that? So moving on to meats. And again, people who have a big refri- uh, sorry, a big freezer will be able to just freeze their meats and it won't be a problem, but we uh, we're not in any such position. So for cruisers who don't have much freezer space, then you have to think about uh, if you do eat meat, then what meat to eat first and the expiry dates and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, the, the other thing was vacuum packing. You know, yeah. some a lot of American friends had, they vacuum packed all sorts of things, which firstly prolongs the life of food even bef- and you can refrigerate it. And we did this, with essentially our fridge freezer is not that big on Ruby Rose. Um, we we managed to you know vacuum pack uh, four weeks worth of of meat uh, for four people mm-hmm. inside what is essentially quite a small freezer. Yes, very small. Um, so things like chicken breasts and as, as long as it's frozen. And I suppose this really is more for you know sailing rather than the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> But, you know, for sailing, you know, freeze, having a freeze, um, you know, a, was it a vacuum packing machine mm. is actually an invaluable thing. And I think that as we, uh, you know, move with onto Ruby Rose 2, that is something we will definitely have on board um, the vacuum bags and the packer mm. just because it allows us to provision because provisioning stops are few and far between when you're sailing offshore. Indeed. Well, yeah. there's none offshore, but when, you, when, <laughs> when you you're sailing offshore, there's very few supermarkets <laughs> exactly. to sell past. Hello, is, the, is that Trader Joe's I see on the horizon? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so look, I think um, from our point of view, um, there's a lot we could do for, for meats. And then, you know, the other thing is, is pulses, dried foods, um, which we'll discuss individually. So pulses, again, the thing about pulses, I'm not a great fan of pulses, I'm not going to lie to you, but, you know, black-eyed beans, black-eyed peas... Um, they fill you up. Yeah, chickpeas, lentils. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, those pulses, I mean, literally, um, we work, you know, with a, with a pressure cooker on our boat just for saving gas and for various things. But we find that, you know, if you throw a handful of pulses into a stew or some, it really does fill you up. You oh, know? yeah, they're full of protein and yeah. they're really good for you. And um, they also, I mean, for us on a boat, storage space is a major major issue so we're always looking at uh, ways to maximize the amount of space space that we're using Um, so obviously dried lentils and chickpeas and those kinds of things uh, they don't take up much space but they actually translate into quite a large amount of food same with rice and those kind of you know flour for example It, it doesn't take up that much space relative to the amount of food that you end up getting out of it yeah when you cook it so just yeah. a top tip there on the old um, pulses. I think that we have Tupperware containers on board that are designed for cereal. 
so it's like they they look like a cereal packet and they've got a little spout at the top that pops up obviously you know in a boat as soon as you've opened the packet of chickpeas or lentils or whatever you have to put them into an airtight container otherwise they're going to be a moldy mess within a week or so so these a lot of bags that you get with things like that they're actually filled with nitrogen um so that you don't have there's nothing to to let them rot but yeah as soon as they're exposed to moist air you know you've got a problem and the other thing is you know from the point of view if you're heading to the tropics you know cockroaches are a real problem so you have to have all 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 food sources um you know in in like plastic and not in cardboard or paper or anything like that yeah for sure um so just moving on a little bit to the practicalities of provisioning i mean we tend to just think about the food that we like to cook the food that is easy to cook and try and buy items that will cover a wide range of dishes rather than buying items just for one particular dish so for us we eat a lot of pasta soup curries casseroles um that kind of thing obviously when we're uh, when we're sailing, we try occasionally to catch a fish with yeah. varied success. <laughs> yeah, our fish, our fishing is, is bloody abysmal. Listen, before we move on to kind of like meal preparation, I do think we need to talk about tins and cans. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, sorry, darling, did I, <laughs> did, did I jump the gun? Carry on. You did. Great, continue. Well, that, that, that you've given me a nice segue. So my point was that if you are buying things like tin tomatoes, um, stock cubes, uh, or those little um, packets of stock kind of gel the concentrated gel I'm not quite sure what they're called um, and other kind of tinned and canned uh, and jarred goods that will as I said cover a wide range of um, dishes then obviously then that's a lot more manageable than just buying things that are for one dish only yeah I was thinking more about how you take the labels off and you use a sharpie marker so basically because we um, know that we store most of our tins in the bilges um, yes. for long passages only because we have to take so many tins and we are firstly aware that moisture um, can affect the labels and secondly um, if you have a hull breach for whatever reason um, wet labels will block your bilge pumps indeed so we do you know when we get all our all our labels on board for those reasons and to avoid co- cockroach eggs especially in the tropics we take all the labels off and um, and then you know use a sharpie marker to to label the tins mm. and it's far easier to label the top of the tins with a sharpie marker than the side of the tins then you can just look down and see tin what B, you got what you've got so that's just something that we learned not the hard way we actually took some top tips from people mm. um on one of our rally preparations so yeah from that point of view so yeah and you know i take on board what you were saying about uh chicken stock cubes or your vegetable stock cubes there are certain staples on board you know that really lift a meal yeah. Um, spoonful of mustard normally in the casserole works well um tabasco sauce or some proprietary chili sauce if you like spicy foods and, and and stock you know and a variety of herbs and really you know on on offshore passages and also for the apocalypse we've got a lot of time <laughs> indoors um and so you know cooking actually becomes something which is more than just you know let's just throw something in the microwave obviously you know if you've got six kids screaming around you and you're like literally taking the xanax uh, as fast as you can to try and get through this then cooking may not be your top priority but for those of us on offshore passages um we used to make meal preparations into more of a thing absolutely and, and I, i've noticed just the last few days of us kind of i don't want to say being stuck at home but we are kind of a little bit stuck at home but meal times are they they kind of hold a little bit more importance um than usual when you are trying to create a structured day out of um you know a, a sudden lack of structure yeah well if that makes sense 
I mean, look, I suppose, you know, back to offshore sailing and also, you know, the, the apocalypse that seems to be happening. Um, from our point of view, this is very, there isn't a lot of difference to offshore sailing. We are all going to get through this. And you know what? Uh, what I've said to just about everyone I've talked to about this is that we all have a real opportunity for most of us to just try and learn a new skill set. You know, so if after however months, many months of isolation, I don't come out with, you know, been out to play the mandolin, you know, been out, do something different that I haven't done. I've got theoretically more time to kill. I can't go out. I can't get to the pub. can't go to a restaurant. You know, we can't get back to the boat. No. Um, but we do have Amazon delivery services at the moment, you know, and we've got internet. So, you know, there's a million and one online tutorials to learn anything. So, you know, for those of you who want to learn, I don't know, how to inlay wooden panels or any other skill set, you thought, oh, I fancy doing that. It's a good time. So, well, or cook, which is kind of the point of yeah, today's yeah, podcast. Exactly. So, did I go off <laughs> Yeah, get back onto topic. <laughs> um, speaking of, I mean, I think that, well, our governments, as in the Australian and the British government, have both come out and been pretty clear that the, there's not going to be any nationwide food sh- food shortage that people need to, need to stop hoarding and that there will continue to be food available. That being said, I think a lot of people are wanting to limit the number of times they go outside in any given week. And so things like bread that you normally buy fresh and eat fresh, um, you might decide that now is a great time to learn how to bake bread. Uh, it's the type of food that, uh, as I said before, if you have a big um, kind of packet of flour in the in the cupboard, then that does translate into a relatively large amount of bread for the amount of flour that you have. But to buy fresh bread from the bakery or the supermarket and then freeze it, they t- that takes up a huge amount of space in your freezer. So baking bread. Well, you've got. I mean, you've, I think one of our most popular videos is actually your easy easy to make bread recipe well i still get emails about that which i'm kind of surprised about and uh, actually hilariously well i thought it was funny maybe you guys don't think it was so funny but i tried to make that bread for my mum and i impressed upon her how easy it was because i wanted to kind of get her into baking or just making bread really and um three times i tried to make this bread and i <laughs> stuffed it up every single time oh, okay. You ki- okay well look I, mean, I don't know how i managed to do that but anyway it's generally very you, easy did you open a bottle of wine at any point before starting the bread preparation <laughs> no comment <laughs> <laughs> and i may or may not have come forgotten that I was meant to be making bread and just let it overprove that happened right, once. Okay. So anyway, point being is that um, it, to make bread, it's extremely easy. It's the type of thing that I always thought would be really difficult and I was quite intimidated by, but it is actually ex- extremely easy. So you just need uh, two cups of bread flour. If you haven't made bread before, use white flour. Even if you love wholemeal or dark bread, use white flour to start with because it's way, way easier to manage. So two cups of white bread flour into a bowl a healthy pinch of salt and mix the salt in with the flour and then add about a quarter of a teaspoon of dried yeast and just mix all that through as well and then it's about a cup of kind of I would say tepid water so kind of room temperature water so two cups of flour one cup of of water Mm -hmm. teaspoon of salt correct no quarter of a teaspoon of yeast and I don't know how much salt. I just put a healthy pinch in. Okay. So I'd experiment with that. You don't want to be too stingy on the salt because you do need the bread to taste like something. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the salt does inhibit the action of the yeast a little bit. So, so that's a pinch. So a, healthy pin- pinch. a healthy pinch and then you mix the salt in with the flour so that it doesn't react with the yeast because if you just pop the yeast on top of your pinch of salt, then it will inhibit the action of the yeast. And about a cup of water, and I add 
the, the water a little bit at a time so that I don't add too much. That being said, it seems to be fairly forgiving. And you just mix it all together with a spoon. You don't need to even put your hands in there. Just mix it all together with a spoon until it comes together. And then you stop mixing and you just cover the bowl with glide wrap or cling film and or obviously a um, kind of reusable alternative solution and you leave it in a warm-ish place overnight and you just let it go and then in the morning you get up and check on it and usually it takes it depends on the temperature of the room but it usually takes about I don't know between nine and I guess ten hours or so and when you check on it in the morning it should be all puffed up and doubled in size and at that point you just upturn it onto a floured surface you uh, shape it so you just turn it into the shape of a ball and then you pop it on a tray and you let it rise a second time for about half an hour and it just goes a little bit it kind of looks a little bit bloated at that point you don't need to kind of let it rise for ages you just need to let it go like a little bit um, puffy and then you pop it in the oven and uh, it usually takes about half an hour in the oven. Temperature. You always forget to tell us. I don't time. know. Look, I live on a boat. I don't know the temperature. We so don't... I've got this down because I actually looked it up because everyone asks us what temperature. Okay. I think it's about 180 degrees Celsius, which is 350 Fahrenheit. Okay. That sounds about so, right. And that's a think about gas mark five. Yeah. Look, I don't, I yeah. don't know about that. Yeah. Our oven has two temperatures. It's on off. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> but it always seems to work. Look, it, it is It is monkey proof. It, 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 it is. It is actually monkey proof. Yeah. Despite the fact that I managed to overproof it when I was trying to demonstrate with my mother it is it's generally okay. monkey proof well, that's what happens when you mix alcohol with cooking anyway Indeed. so listen um, I think that probably wraps up our podcast on provisioning um, I think that uh, as I said for all of you that are out there we will be throwing out more podcasts so if you have topics you want us to to, to cover just leave us a comment um, our podcasts are now available on our own website on the Apple uh, podcast website and uh, all the regular podcast hosting sites so Hope to find you on there. Leave us a comment. And for those of you who don't already know and you managed to get through all 20 minutes of this, we uh, have been running a YouTube channel for the last three years. So, our, um, you know, what we normally do, our bread and butter, pardon the pun, is uh, is YouTube videos. So, uh, Sailing Yacht Ruby Rose, if you want to find our videos. Aside from that, we will catch up with you soon. So, uh, thanks for listening to this one. Oh,